from the domestiques coming to you from the city of Adelaide where the cycling buzz is alive and well and has been for the past 10 days. In fact, it's been buzzing here for the last 25 years since the TDU made its debut way back in 1999. I am Mike Tomolaros. It's great to have you join us yet again. Tills, welcome to you. <laughs> thanks, Mike. <laughs> Hi, Hollywood. Uh, thanks so much to the listeners. We've actually, I'll, I'll set the scene here. We're, we're in level one of the Hilton and we've got in a quiet room. I was listening to the podcast on my ride to, um, where was I, Handorf, uh, the, the German town uh, this morning. Handorf. And the audio, the audio was a little bit hard to hear. There's a little um, bit of, you know, so I thought, hey, let's get a quiet room. Let's like, you know, think of the listeners while we're recording today. But it's just still... So good to be together. A massive thank you to our sponsors in uh, Hone Insurance, Black Sheep Cycling and Ordmanet that has brought us together. I just love being able to just sit here, chat cycling with you guys. Yeah, and it's nice not to be having to compete with all the noise at the Hilton Hotel on, in the lobby room. Uh, we're in a little quiet room in the Hilton on level one and it's just so good. Hollywood, a lot of people come to the TDU for different reasons. Some come here to... Uh, uh, check out their superstar cycling heroes that they've been following for many, many years. Others come here to taste the delights of, uh, of South Australia. You come here to flog yourself on the bike, don't you? Oh, I must apologise to the listeners. You can probably smell me from <laughs> wherever you're listening because I rode the, uh, that Sassy Chop-Off today, which is their version of Hell Ride, and then I rode out to Wollonga and back, and it's 35 degrees. So I've done two, 210 uh, I'm pretty beaten, but uh, the Sassy Ride is very fast and a very hospitable bunch to those guys and girls who did it. They're really nice. It was very accommodating, put up with a flog like me. They were very nice. So I had a, I had a great day and obviously went out to the stage. So it was really good. I saw lots of black sheep jerseys out there today, actually up on Malunga. So it was very good seeing black sheep represented up on Malunga. So, um, yeah, it was, and I rode with someone who was wearing a Honan jersey, my nephew, Jaden. So it was a good day. How many Ks have you done since you arrived? Well, I'm at, for the week, I'm at 7.32 of tomorrow to go. Pretty impressive. You're pretty tired, huh? Not, not bad for a 40-year-old. And tell us about the atmosphere up there on, <laughs> on Wollonga. Oh, uh, well, at the very top where I was, I watched the exact same part, part where I watched women. So it was pretty much the same as the women's. But where it was different is that it, it really spread all the way down the hill and down into running to Wollonga. It was packed down there. So I obviously rode up the top and it, it, I felt like I was racing because everyone was yelling out bang bang or go Hollywood. So I, I felt quite special. So thank you for all those heaps of people all up the climb who were cheering me on. It was very nice. Yeah, and thanks to all the listeners uh, with their incredible feedback. We're getting a lot of feedback from you uh, from all over the place. Uh, Tills, you're a superstar, but I won't uh, read the... Uh, the feedback that you've received, although it is positive, it is positive. And here's one, here's one from um, a bloke called, or a woman perhaps called QV Benz. In a sport that is subject to more spin and filled with psycho fans, whatever that is, this podcast is refreshing. Expertise, experience, and passion all come together to produce one of the most interesting sport podcasts in Australia. What a wrap! The episodes. The episodes are sometimes frustratingly random in their release, yeah, leaving you ha hanging. But there's a reason for that. 
And uh, this person says, I'm wondering when the next one will drop. Keep it up, team. FMK out. The reason why we don't do a podcast every day like we have here at the Tool Down Under is because between October and the end of December, it's, it's quiet season. It's tools down. But when the big races are on, the big seasons are on, like the classics, the grand tours, we're there, aren't we, for most yeah, of the time? We probably should try and be a bit more consistent, whether it's you know every two weeks just do something or maybe once a week do something. Um, we, we need to talk about that. We'll need to talk about that. Anyway, let's talk about today's stage. We're up to stage five, Wollonga Hill. They went around there twice. Once they cleared the hill and then they came back a second time for the summit finished. It was explosive. What do you think? Oh, it was that they were absolutely flying. I just, I think Phil Liggett said it, if he said it once, he said it a hundred times, how quick they were going. And um, I think they were 15 minutes ahead of the fastest predicted time. Uh, and so, yeah, it was extreme. You know, they, there was a breakaway. They sort of let them dangle there. But once they got down to the beach with about 30K to go, I think they were averaging well over 50 kilometers an hour and breaking all the speed limits down there uh, across the beach. But it looked like a safe stage. And then, Really, it was all the anticipation of leading the uh, GC, finally coming to the forefront uh, for two laps of Wollonga. And just watching Chris Harper, what an animal. Did, did Jaco back the wrong guy? Because he looked the strongest on that climb easily and obviously had to go with Yates and he just didn't have that pop. When he went bang, they were able to counter bang and stay with him and go over him. So. Harper just looked, oh, God, he's beautiful. He looks so strong. Hollywood, let me take you back to the first lap, though. I do want to give a shout-out to Aussie Luke Burns, who rides for Team Bridge Lane. He's uh, in the Australian team, and he's wearing the KOM jersey, which is a really – it's a big deal. Every day he gets to go on the podium, he gets to wear this jersey, he gets a lot of media attention. And for a guy that's trying to be signed to the World Tour – this is huge exposure that he's experienced. So, so he was the first on the first lap to go over Wollonga. The EF rider, which was just behind him, also got second. So they're on equal points for tomorrow to try to win this KOM jersey. Oh, sorry. There's 20, he's, the EF rider is 20 points behind and there's 20 points available for tomorrow. So unless Luke shits the bed, he should hopefully be able to take that jersey home. In a world tour, KOM jersey is a big deal for a guy that rides for a Conti team. Definitely. I only rode a couple of days ago with Robert Tigolo, who won the uh, Kingdom Mountain jersey back in a uh, tour down under. I'm not sure what year, whether if it was 98. I'm not ex- he did tell me, but, yeah, it's a big deal. He reminds me about it. Well, what about this, this, this uh, young fella who won the stage today, Oscar Onley? Knew nothing about him before today. Yeah. Uh, born in 2003, 20 years of age, um, from Scotland. And uh, when we heard him talk on the Channel 7 coverage, very young, very fresh-faced, but very intelligent. Have a listen. Oscar, when you look at that front group, Simon Yates, a Grand Tour winner, Ala Philippe, a dual world champion, and you got the better of him. Can you believe it? Yeah, it's uh, pretty incredible. I knew I was in good form coming here, and I really wanted to do something on these climbing stages, but, yeah, against these guys, I wasn't really sure, and... uh, yeah, I'm really grateful to everyone that's helped get this win. And the Oka jersey, race leader with one day to go? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> that's nice. I think uh, I'm going to have a lot of work to do tomorrow, but I have some really good teammates with me, and uh, I'm sure they'll help me out. <laughs> the first person to come to was the Hurricane, Chris Hamilton. What did he say? Yeah, he just said uh, that he knew I could do it, and uh, he's really been keeping me calm the last few days. It's, 
been pretty stressful with these sprints and uh, yeah, him and the other guys really, really uh, invested in me to make sure I didn't lose any time when I was uh, up there in the GC. There's been some really big names. Alberto Contador, for example, his first ever win was a stage that went over. Wollonga, Richie, Port, you're following in some huge footsteps. Yeah, it's uh, quite an iconic climb, I think, and uh, to put my name on there is very special. Congratulations, good luck tomorrow. Thank you. So, Oscar, surprised himself perhaps. What do you think, Tills? Yeah, I was actually um, in watching the stage. So as we said, we, we all tuned in. At, it's sort of 30K to go and then certainly for those last 5Ks. But I think the biggest difference was that – so Richie Port, the king of Wollonga, our mate of the podcast, friend of the podcast, he um, uh, is not – doesn't catch up with you, Hollywood, but he, he, I he rang me. Oh, I did <laughs> say him. You burnt me, mate. I had a chat to him at the top of Wollonga. So what no, did he say? We're all good. We're all good. Anyway, so yeah. So anyway, the king of Wollonga. So, but Richie always had a certain technique to win Wollonga. There's pretty much a tree there called the Richie tree where he would attack. I'm just making that up. But like, <laughs> the, the corner. <laughs> I believed you. I believe it. But no, anyway, there was a certain point on Wollonga where every year he attacked and that's where he got away. And I worry that Jayco had been watching that footage too much and said, Yates, this is where you go. The issue was there's so many more riders on a similar level now compared to back in the day. Like everyone, as we keep saying, is training for this. I caught up with Michael Hepburn last night um, who rides for Jayco and friends with um, his gorgeous wife, Emily Collins. And so, and he, I was asking how it was and he said, there's, there's no race that's easy now. Every race in the world tour is on and you know, Tour Down Under never used to be like that. So getting back to the race, it felt like um, Simon Yates, you know, he was um, Chris Harper was doing a great job. He also then dropped the wheel to get a gap. They had to close it up to Chris Harper. And then Yates went, but he was never going to win it from that position. They were always going to roll him. They, he then blows. Our, our mate Julian Alaphilippe has a go. It then looked like Juliana Philippe may have missed the line thinking the KOM was the finish line. Don't know what happened there, but he also sort of just blew because, but they'd already had one lap. So I feel like that's not an excuse. But anyway, he blew with 150 meters to go. And then, yeah, we had Oscar Onley be able to come around and take the sprint. But as you say, I think Jayco will have been very, very much targeting today's stage and will be licking their wounds tonight. Yeah. Well, uh, Stephen Williams has the leader's jersey with one day to go on a countback because he's on equal time with uh, the young fella from Scotland, Oscar, Stephen Williams from Wales. And so we've got two riders on top from Britain. We've got the rider from Ecuador, Jonathan Naves, in third place, five seconds behind. Uh, our mate, the bull, Del Toro, is also five seconds behind. And Alaphilippe, 13 seconds. Now, he made a mistake today, Tills. Julien Alaphilippe. I want to get your thoughts on, on the Frenchman, the swashbuckling Frenchman. I like him. I saw him at the Speak Live last night at the Partners Dinner, uh, a black tie affair that I turned up in shorts and a polo shirt and got turned away and had to catch an Uber into, back into the... Like, Did you? Yeah, had to catch an Uber back to Rundle Moor. I bought a pair of pants, a Ralph Lauren shirt, a belt and a pair of shoes. Oh, oh, 600 bucks later, I oh. rocked back into the event. You lightweight. Yeah, I know. Life's yeah. more than yeah, just wearing yeah. shorts and yellow and red. Oh, oh, he, no. uh, he's, he spoke then. He actually spoke really well, as did uh, Cecily. Um, You're doing well. Ultra Lilbrink. 
What's Sarah Ludwig? Ludwig. Giganti and um, Ali Walston. Yeah. What did Jules? What did Julian say that made oh, that impressed you? Matt interview him is very good. He spoke about because he one of his first World Tour races was here, and all, all the things that have transpired in between them. Obviously, winning, you know, whatever nine stages of Tour de France, two World Championships. Mm -hmm. Asked him which was his favourite stage win, and he, he really couldn't say. They're all good. He said if you win in the Tour de France, and spoke about his high high profile wife, um, and because she's involved with mm. is it UCI. Uh, she's a commentator, the French commentator. French commentator. Yeah. Uh, she's media. also involved in the UCI. Yeah, she's and, she's, and she's a former racer. Yeah, yeah, former racer as well. So, look, he spoke really well, and yeah, I like him now. Uh, um, did he mention the fact uh, that he won at that stage in, in the Champagne District because that was, I think, one of his early wins? Did he mention that, that stage uh, three years ago, perhaps four years ago? Into Epinay. Halfway between and mm. <laughs> Anyway, what do you think of Vala Philippe now? He's in fifth place overall. Has he got a chance? I, I honestly think he can because it's mm. not hard enough tomorrow for Yates to, like we saw last year. And he's punching, can climb, and he looked good today. So I reckon he's a big chance. It would be great to see the name Vala Philippe. Yeah. Uh, on yeah. the list of uh, winners uh, in Australia's premier cycle race. But I think what and, – and what's even more exciting to that is that it's um, all really close to the top and it's a really exciting stage tomorrow. So what we were really exciting about Mount Lofty and what we would have loved to have seen the women's as well is like – they can all, every team, everyone that's on that top 10, Damien Hausen is sitting ninth. The Aussie who's, is, what's he, 40? Um, he does have grey hair, so he has a lot more grey hair than you. But uh, so he's, um, yeah, he's sitting ninth. Yates is 13 seconds behind. Uh, everyone, they can throw the kitchen sink at it. Even Jack Haig, 30 seconds, it's all going to come down to it. Okay, well, let's have a listen to the leader of this uh, tour with one stage to go. His name is Stephen Williams. He's from Wales and he rides for, remind Israel me, Premier. Israel Premier Tech. That's, that's it. This is courtesy of Channel 7. Obviously, uh, yeah, as expected, I think it was just going to be whittle down, whittle down to the to the line. And uh, yeah, I found myself with good legs with 500 metres to go and in perfect position. Uh, I slightly underestimated how far it was from the last corner. Ideally, I'd have gone into that last corner uh, first and usually maybe could have hold, held on. But um, yeah, credit to her, credit's due to the winner. Uh, great ride and uh, yeah, happy with my performance. A rider from Scotland across the line first, and then Wales across the line second. Who's concerned about the heat? Yeah, battle of the, battle of the uh, Commonwealth countries. Uh, but no, um, yeah, good job to Brits up there fighting for the win. Uh, just a tough day out, and uh, yeah, really proud of my teammates how they rode and backed me all day. Uh, yeah, just honestly, just uh, such a great ride from everyone, everybody on the team, obviously. Corbin had a difficult day having to withdraw, which is a shame for us because another rider who can do such such a good ride on a finish like this. But, uh, yeah, we gave it our all and, uh, yeah, came out with a half-decent result. The fight for the win is still open with one stage to come. We've just seen Simon Clark come here. Mr. Experience, how important will he be tomorrow for you? Yeah, I was just saying to him now, honestly, such a such a good leader to have, especially, especially in a chaotic final like that with, you know, all the roads with the wind was up and everyone was a bit itchy and so yeah to have someone with his experience bring me to the bottom of the climb like that is honestly uh yeah it's a privilege to have in there like that the battle for the oka jersey is still wide open well he's a seasoned campaigner is stephen williams he's been around for a while 
won a stage at the Tour de Suisse and the Arctic Race of Norway. If he hangs on tomorrow, this will honestly be his uh, his biggest achievement. But it's it's a jigsaw puzzle, isn't it? But additionally, it's um, it's even a bigger achievement for Israel Premier Tech. We've got to remember they're not world tour anymore. They are pro level. So in terms of UCI points, winning a world tour tour is a really big deal for that team. So if they can come away with the points, um, and some of those teams like uh, Jayco, who are closer to the bottom of World Tour, um, it will, it'll really hurt them. They finished 13th of 18th last year. That's a bit too close to the bottom in the relegation zone. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting day tomorrow, that's for sure. Well, it's all to play for, and Stage 6 is sponsored by Schwalbe. Oh, can you say that? Swaba. Swaba, <laughs> Swabi, mate. Swabi. Close, but no cigar, Hollywood. Uh, it's 128, 128 kilometres tomorrow. They start from Unley. There's a big uh, Unley street party, as there always is in, uh, during the Tour Down Under. They'll leave uh, tomorrow morning at 11.10 local time, make their way into the Florio Peninsula. There's a lot of climbing. There's a lot of undulation. They they make a left-hand turn into the town of Meadows, go through a chunga, make their way back into the Adelaide Hills. They'll do the Stirling course, or they'll ride around Stirling, Crafers, the Mount Lofty region three times before the summit finish up to Mount Lofty. The climb is approximately eight kilometres. There's a little drop, not much, but it's basically eight k's of climbing to con- to finish uh, this year's Tour Down Under. It's tough. And I can't wait to watch because I will be a guest of Swabble tomorrow in the VIP, so I'm looking forward to that, to watch it at the finish line. It should be good. So let's put it on the line. Who wins tomorrow and who takes the Tour Down Under? You're asking the one I bias Jayco supporters, Simon Yates. The <laughs> guy saw an interview with Jerry Ryan, and um, they've got big plans this year. Jerry said in, an, in the interview that the last couple of years have been very disappointing for Jayco Alula and they want to make amends this year. And I just got the impression that it's critical for Jaco to win this race this year at Down Under and just start on the right foot. I wonder how disappointing it will be if they don't. The thing I will add to that is that um, I just ran into Luke Plapp and he looked like a mummy. He was very, <laughs> he looked like he was going to a Halloween party. He was bandaged up and um, he is okay. He, he said physically, Physically, I'm okay. Mentally, I'm, you know, finding it very tough just to watch today's stage because they missed him enormously today, both in the possibility of him actually being the GC or him leading them out and and creating that gap because really it is a Luke Platt climb that time. So I think they we've got to give them the fact that they've now had a bit of bad luck. Um, They're missing, you know, the actual engine out of the out of the Jayco van. And so, yeah, I, I saw him and do you know what? He was actually on his way to go give a jersey to a fan that found his $1,000 euro, uh, like, computer. Uh, so in the gorge where he crashed, his computer came off his oh. bike and some fan found it, oh, contacted God. him and said, hey, I'll give you a computer back for a, for a jersey. So he was on his way to swap it. I wonder what right computer is. It's worth a thousand Yeah, it was, it was uh, I, I don't know the brand. I, I, well, I'm not sponsored by them, so I can't tell you. Oh, <laughs> she's unbelievable. She's eating, she doesn't get a dollar, she won't talk about it. Tils, what grand tour do you think Plutty will do this year? We know. Perry Neeson, um, 
also Grand Tour. Uh, Giro. He's doing the Giro. Giro. Right now, I think um, he's definitely a one-week uh, stage rider, um, and we saw that in the UAE last year. And I think that's where it, we've just got to remember – these guys develop at different stages and different ages. Like Plappy was in the era of Remco Ember Nepal. They were in junior worlds together. Remco won, Plappy was second. And so, and Remco has been thrown straight into it. Plappy's time will come. He still looks like a kid. You know, you see, he hasn't developed fully yet. And I, I'm just excited that Jayco will look after him and not rush him and expect the world from him. And as we caught up with Nico, and which you can go back and listen to, they're still not sure of what he's capable of and, and where he will go and the development will go, but they're going to give him the time to sort of work it out. And the Giro will be great because there's a lot of big hitters at the Tour de France and it's a great race to be able to get that experience. There's a lot of big hitters at the Giro and there's a lot of uh, TTs at the Giro. Mm. So um, he, and that's what he specialises in as well as the Australian champion. Actually, you're right. Tade Pogacar's going to the Giro yeah, as is Walt Bernard targeting yeah. it. So... Well, just on that, Tade, I think, just wants to create a little bit of history. He wants to win the Giro and become the first man, I think, since Marco Pantani to, to do the double, the Giro Tour de France double. Who knows? One day he might even go for three, do the Vuelta as well in the same year. Chris Froome tried that, didn't he? Chris yeah. Froome did that? No one's done it in, since no, no, Eddie, no, Eddie Merckx. tried I think. to do it. Yeah. 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 So it'll be interesting what uh, Tade is up to this year. He's just a kid on a bike who wants to win. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, how was your morning, Mike? I went down to McLaren Vale. It was oh. hot. And just on the wind... The reason why they travelled so fast today, there was a howling northerly, which would have suited those riders, and that's the reason why we, they averaged close to 50 kilometres per hour. It was hot out there. I did the bike trail down to McLaren Vale and turned, uh, turned back. I went to see the start at Christie's Beach. Oh, there was a lot of people there, yeah. uh, tens of thousands, probably tens of thousands of people. Uh, it was just a good buzz. I had a good day, hot, but uh, rode my bike, did 100 k's, and uh, I'm not up to... No, you did well, mate. I think that's what's interesting is that I think for majority of people that come here, it's like it's probably the one of the biggest weeks they do on the bike for the year. You know, you're a professional cyclist. You get to have the week off work, most people, and, um, yeah, you get huge Ks and uh, and the heat, the heat adaption. My, my Wahoo, I, was, I came back at about uh, lunchtime and it said 38 um, on the Wahoo. So, yeah, it, it, you got to, it's, it's, it, what will be interesting um, because we saw it with Cecily Ultra-Lugwig in the women's stages is that she was so dominant in stage two but really popped on stage three. And it's just a lot of it comes back to um, we haven't had a lot of racing um, and so they're not race fit, so they can do that one day, but it's about backing it up. And so really tomorrow will be the winner of who has managed themselves the best this week, who's managed themselves every day, um, they've, they've not gone it too hard into the red. They've hydrated well. They've looked after themselves because it's going to be tomorrow that it's going to come back at them because we saw Cecily really pop on that stage three. And same with Ali. She popped on stage two who won stage one and she really put it down to, look, stage one was great, but she had a lot of media commitments um, and just a lot took it out of her after the race that she couldn't do her, her recovery good enough for stage two. So I think it's great for some of these guys who are in the hot seat. They haven't had to do any much media, but obviously Julian Philippe is a popular guy, so hopefully he's looked after himself. Tills, it's interesting when you look at the overall classification. I mean, we talk about this race being suited to the Aussies, and the Euros only really come here to prepare themselves for the European season. But when you look at the GC, the best-placed Aussie is 22 seconds behind the leader's jersey. And that tells me the riders from different parts of the world have saved themselves 
for these last two days because it's so hot. Yeah, and I think uh, shout out to Chris Hamilton, who's an Aussie um, uh, Victorian guy who um, really helped uh, Oscar uh, win today's stage and has had, had been helping him all the week with DSM. But, yeah, no one was speaking about Damien Housen, who's riding for the Australian team. You know, we're talking about Jack, Jack Haig and, of course, um, Chris Harper. But, yeah, it's great to see them up there. But, again, I think there will be a huge shake-up tomorrow. So, yeah, I think we wrap it but up. But you know what I mean? These Euros have really just haven't done much in the first four days. Um, they don't. They didn't have to. Another one from uh, uh, Visma lease player. He hasn't done anything. He's a mm. big name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bork Mollema. I, I was fascinated to hear on the commentary that Bork Mollema, who's been around for donkey's years, this is his first time at the Tour Down Under. I think it, it might be his last year as well. Anyway, when I think of him. I just think of that famous video. <laughs> don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. You can. You can. Uh, you can look it up. Still, it's All just. Right, just uh, one more thing. You caught up with Georgie Howe today. You did a great interview, and we're saving that interview for after the tour down under. We're going to produce a special podcast. Just give us a brief uh, preview as to what the interview was about and why people should listen to it. No, she was just a, she. You know, Georgie Howe. We spoke about her with Nick Owen, and she's just a she's just a good human that has a really interesting story. I, it ended up I, I was trying to just do it as a snippet interview. It ended up being about twenty minutes though, and and then I would have then loved to have done it even longer. I could have gone uh, all day with her, but um, no, yeah, she's just had a great story. It's a great story, and she's had a lot of trials and tribulations, and she's landed at Jayco and is extremely happy and. But yeah, I, I think what we'll do, we'll, we'll release it next week leading into uh, Cadell's and just so people can, yeah, she deserves to have her own episode probably on, on that. So yeah, it was great to catch up with. What's great, where I am, so I'm staying at the, all the women's teams are staying at a university. So um, actually tonight I have been invited to play cricket. Uh, there is a cricket match potentially happening between Drake, Jayco, Alula and Little Trek uh, on the grounds in front of the uni. So I was thinking, oh, wow. I'm friends with Peter Siddle. So I thought I might take him, Australia's best bowler. You know I'm express. I'm express bowler. Okay. Yeah, I'm playing six years. Do, do you bang bang when you when you run up to the? Uh, all right, all right, all right. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> Thanks so much, everyone, for listening and dealing with us. Black sheep. Honan Insurance Group. And thanks to you, the listener, for listening to the Domestics. Bye for now. Bye. Domestics. The Domestics by Black Sheep Sideman.